0: The Truth News Network If today were a science fiction movie, you'd be shaking your head at the news. Today, Huxley reads like a prophecy. Orwell's saying, I told you so's from the grave. And the ghost of Ayn Rand weeps in the dark. None of it makes any sense. For the people have had it. Now, before you reach for revolution, take a deep breath. And put in a few moments identifying fact from science fiction. And for that clarity, you need the truth. You need TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Let me say this, I just think we need clarity on everything. I am sick and tired of people that take control of all the messaging. Nobody said, hey, you're the boss. You're the ones that determine what to say and when to say it and how to coach it when you tell the story. But yet we have millions of people that consider themselves somehow endowed by somebody to be the ones that pass along the truth, thinking that none of us are worthy enough to be entrusted with facts. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week. Thank you for joining us here this morning at TNN Live. It's going to be an eventful day. Many things happening around us, the horrors out in Maui are still going on. The death toll is now over 100. That's the official death toll. We'll talk more about that when we get into our conversation about President Biden finally taking a few minutes to go to Maui today. And then there's Los Angeles, Southern California. Wow, Tropical Storm Hillary. I mean, Hillary's doing a bunch of damage out there, not so much in wind, which is the very first part of most hurricanes and tropical storms. But L.A., other parts of South California, Southern California, they're struggling with flood water. And when you live in a place where you don't get a lot of rain to begin with, and then you don't have the infrastructure in place to take care of a lot of rain when you get it especially in one time, it creates pandemonium and havoc and danger a lot of stuff going on out there many more things to talk about obviously every weekend a lot of things happen over the weekend that are important and we've got a way into all of those which we are going to do but first reminiscent from your saturday night a great uh, hispanic song and a dance or two huh
1: and it's a hot
0: one Like seven
1: inches From the midday sun Well I hear you whisper And the words melt no, Everyone, but you stay So cool My guitar, My Spanish Harlem Mona Lisa you know my reason For reason huh? The step
0: Concerts. I mean, especially if we are there, you're going to hear somebody you want to go hear. So you really like their music or you wouldn't be there. And that, of course, Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas. Uh, Carlos Santana, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Just one of those guys that just gets better with age. Anyway, thanks for joining us here today. We'll get our week started. Lots of news. Lots of things happening over the weekend. Have you noticed, as we get closer to the election stuff, it seems like during the weekend, very, very quietly, information leaks out. They wait till the weekend, and of course, you know why. Because we're all busy. We're all doing important things. We're wrapping up summer, starting back to school, figuring out what the fall is going to do and what we need to do to get ready for it. And so, very quietly, pretty important things pretty much every weekend. We don't hear about until maybe a little bit on Monday morning, but they like the fact that we're getting back to work, getting back to school on Monday, so our attention is diverted away from some of these things they don't really want us looking at. Those truth things, you know, things that we can't be trusted to have They want to keep those for themselves, and then they'll spoon-feed it to us with a little bit of uh, the truth, but mostly their perspective, and they call it all the facts. That's the way the left rolls, and I think you'll agree in what I'm about to say. We the people are catching on to that. More and more of us aren't accepting what we're hearing at face value anymore. When we hear it, we're going, ah, come on, that can't be true. And then instead of just forgetting about it and going back to our busy lives, many of us are going and finding out for ourselves that wasn't true. That's a good thing. And I want to congratulate those of you who've been doing that. In fact, most of the people that come here, that's what they're doing. They're either coming here to look at some explanations for some of the things they've heard, Or they're just getting their week started and beginning with facts. Either way, we're glad you're here. So what about Lily? What about Lily? It's not Lily. It's Hillary. And every Hillary I've ever known is tough, makes a lot of noise, and creates a lot of pandemonium. And that's what's going on this morning in our southwest part of the United States. Southern California, I mean, really got rocked. Good thing the winds had died down tremendously when Hillary came ashore. But the big two things that are happening in Southern California and also over east into Arizona, there's not a lot of grass out there, so there's nothing to hold the soil. So we're already seeing a lot of flooding, a lot of flooding going on in the Los Angeles area, and that's the things that people don't think about when there's a storm coming when you think about tornadoes it's different because those are quick they're over a small space and they're very powerful of course but then they're over bam and what damage is going to happen it happens almost instantly but when you have these floods it's kind of a delayed reaction and we all see the television movies we see The river flowing through Los Angeles, you know, the one that goes through downtown and it looks dry all the time and people drive their cars and all of that. Well, it's not dry today. There's a lot of flooding going on out there. And it impacted northwest Mexico and the Baja and the southwest part of the U.S. It's still going on there. So we're thankful. One of our good friends just weighed in right before we went on air, Peter up in Long Beach. And he said he's okay. So that means if he's okay in Long Beach, which is right on the water, if he's okay there, that part of at least that part of California ought to be okay. It'll take a while. Flooding is something that's just tough to get through. And meanwhile, three hours west of there, Hawaii. Do you really think we'll ever know the facts what is really happening and how many people were impacted in Maui. Often, I think, when bad things happen to small communities, even Hawaii, you don't think about Maui and other towns and cities in the Hawaiian Islands, maybe Honolulu, Maui kind of, but the others are scattered around. We don't think about those as really big, important places with a lot of people because with the exception of Honolulu, there aren't a lot of people there. But this, my friends, is a a once-in-a-lifetime thing that happened in Maui. And it just infuriates me that President Biden has thumbed his nose at the Hawaiian people. I've been to Maui quite a few times. I love Maui. It's different. It's different. In fact, people out there, when you start talking about how long is this going to take and when will you be here— And people out there, the natives give you an answer. We laugh about it. They give it in Maui time. When they tell you, yeah, we'll be there about three o'clock, that means somewhere between three and five. It's relaxed. It's a great place to go and get out of the helter-skelter of life. But those people are good people. And you can't always, and you really don't always, need to find somebody to blame for everything bad that happens. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. It's part of life. When bad things happen to somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean they've done something wrong or they're bad people. Sometimes bad things just happen. And in this case, a critically horrible thing happened in Maui, specifically in Lahaina. We need to really be thoughtful, and we need to be praying for those people because it is tragic what's going on out there. Now, President Biden, who is Mr. Vacation, Mr. President Vacation, he got in a bit of trouble coming from one vacation back to the White House Early last week, he's been on vacation half of his presidency. He's been outside of Washington, D.C., and almost all of them on the beach somewhere. This weekend, well, he didn't spend it on the beach, but he spent it on one of the most beautiful lakes in the U.S., Lake Tahoe on the border of Nevada and California at a buddy's multi-million dollar mansion. So last week, he was coming back from the beach in Delaware to the White House and walking from Marine One back to the White House. One reporter hollered at him, what do you think about what's going on in Maui right now, Mr. President? Not paraphrased what the man asked. But I'm not paraphrasing when I say what the president's response was. No comment. So at that particular time, it was estimated there were going to be about 100 people already burned to death. And our president said no comment. Hadn't commented at all about anything to do with the horrors in Maui. All week long had very little to say and was blasted in sensitivity to the needs of anybody else. This guy, this president, there's no heartfelt stuff there for somebody that's not living inside his circle. Like Hunter, Hunter. The smartest man I've ever known is my son, Hunter Biden. And you know my other son, Bo Biden. He died because of his service in Iraq in the Middle East. Oh, my poor family. It's all about him. It's all about his family. The rest of us, we're kind of also rans. And yeah, I'm being a little bit, mean to the president but facts are facts and he when he took the oath of office his number one job was and is to take care of us the American people at every level he can't personally do everything no person can there are 340 million of us how could one person be responsible for every little problem that all of us have It can't be done, but what he and any other president commit to do when they take the job is to keep us safe, protect us. Now, you can't blame a person regardless of what he says. He can't be blamed for a fire in Maui. He can't be blamed for this tropical storm Hillary that hit and is currently still wreaking some flood damage havoc in the southwest part of the United States. But what he is supposed to do and what he promised us all he would do is stay on top of it. And if he can't do it and it needs to get done, he will make sure that the person or the people that are the ones to take care of it do just that take care of it so it was a horrible situation joe and jill they were going to lake tahoe spend a week this whole week with friends of theirs and this stupid massive fire decided it was going to raise its ugly head and mess up his week long vacation so you got people out there that are dead Many people, we don't know how many, they haven't even found. We will probably not find out every person that was lost in that fire. Why? Many of them actually dove into the water to get away from the fire. I'm sure we lost some of those people. And then others were incinerated. The locals there, even though the you know, the official death toll is a little, little over 100 now, The locals there, their count is 300 killed. And the president and his wife, they're going to fly out there and then fly back to Lake Tahoe this afternoon. They're giving the American people in Maui, Lahaina specifically, part of a day. Sound like good leadership to you?
2: President Biden heading to Hawaii today, nearly two weeks after the deadly wildfires that engulfed parts of that island, killing at least 114 people. At least 1,000 people are still missing right now. now. The president releasing this statement, Jill and I are eager to meet with the brave first responders in Lahaina and witness firsthand what will be required for the community to recover. We will be here for as long as it takes. The president has been vacationing in Lake Tahoe. Uh, he's staying at billionaire and climate investor Tom Steyer's $18 million mansion, by the way. RNC Research Center writing on X, quote, Biden has spent 374 days, 39.7% of his presidency on vacation. We'll go with 40%, folks. Okay. Joining me now is Alabama Congressman Jerry Carl. He is a member of the House Appropriations and Natural Resources Committees. Congressman, remember the, the, the infamous now comment from President Biden when asked about Maui was no comment. Is this cleanup on aisle five this trip?
3: I, this president continues to amaze me uh, how you can go on vacation when such a horrible event has taking place. And we really don't know how horrible it is at this point. Uh, it, all those kids that were sent home that are still unaccounted for. And uh, we may never know due to the heat of that fire. So just amazes me how this president just kind of flippantly, you know, he'll he'll find a way of turning this into an environmental disaster. Trust me, it'll, it'll all be environmentally related. Um, if I was a president, I'd be over there getting the guy that that took forty-eight hours to give permission to pump water out of a creek to put a fire out. That's the guy I would be going to see. And I would have been there day one, not, not uh, a week later.
2: Well, now the president's only going to go for the day, I mean, and then he's going to go back on vacation, Congressman. Uh, for the rest of the week, uh, is this really the time that, the, you know, now you've got this hurricane that, uh, and tropical storm that's hit California. So now you've got that disaster on the president's uh, hands. And again, he'll go to Maui, do a little tour. He'll be right back to vacation in Tahoe, sir.
3: Yeah, I think people get tired of those flyovers, and that's what this president does. He just flies over and talks about how bad it looks. Uh, you know, I think these long weekends and this vacation, I think it has a lot to do with his health. I think they're having to, you know, rest him up and juice him up with whatever, and, uh, you know, trying to help hide his health issues because uh, he certainly doesn't mind being uh, referred to as vacation time. Uh, but, but what he's doing in Hawaii our poor Hawaii, I, I think, is almost criminal. He, he should have been over there immediately.
0: That line is the succinct thing that should have happened. The president should be over there, should have been over there immediately, and he chose not to. Let me just make a point for you. Look at all of the disasters, anything and everything you could call a disaster that's happened anywhere in the United States over the past, well, two and a half years, while he's president. Think about every one of them. How many of them is he just passed on? If I was the president, if I was the president at any time, when something desperate happened to Americans on a personal level, I mean really, really bad stuff that happened, and it happens often. I'd be there immediately. If for no other reason to come and hold somebody, hug somebody, put my arm around their shoulder and tell them, we're with you, the people of the nation are with you. Now give me some examples, Dan. I would have been at the southern border even before I was inaugurated president. And I would have been there numerous times. There are people across the South and across the Southwest that have lost dozens of loved ones. Dead people in the dozens and maybe even hundreds found across the southern border as a direct result of his lack of leadership. How many times has Joe Biden stood on the banks of the Rio Grande River? How many times? None. Oh, he made a cursory pass down there, but not for a long time did he go, and he spent a minute. How many children, I heard of another one this morning, have died from fentanyl-related incidents that happen because drug mules are bringing billions of dollars of illegal drugs across the southern border because Joe Biden won't shut it down. Oh, and by the way, did you hear, very quietly, one of those things that comes out on the weekend? You know, all those materials that the taxpayers, you and I, had paid for to finish the southern wall down there across our border, The Biden administration is selling them off, which means, hey, I'm Joe Biden. I took the oath of office. I promised I would support the Constitution and all the laws of the land. I'm the head of the executive branch. That means I'm solely responsible that every law that is made according to the constitutional process, that means through Congress, I'm going to see to it, they're enforced, period, no exceptions. He can't say that. You know why? Because he doesn't give a rip. He doesn't care. He's got an underlying purpose that he has put before the law, before the rule of law, the Constitution, and before the will of the people. And all those people that are dying, 100,000 last year from fentanyl that came from China, through Mexico, into the United States. It's his fault. He is solely responsible for allowing that to happen. No accountability for anybody. Oh, we catch a few of the drug mules, but the cartels are running northern Mexico and in many cases, parts of the southern United States. Follow the money. I wouldn't dare even bring up even remote possibility, that there may be some money train on the illegal drugs going to people in leadership and politics or sex trafficking, child trafficking. We would never be involved in that. Well, we're certainly not stopping it if we're not stopping lawlessness, if we're not holding people accountable for their lawlessness, we are complicit. And I, and most of you, we don't have any say-so other than our votes. And I don't know of a single person, I know a lot of people, we have a big audience here. I know each of you. You look at all of this stuff, and if you're a regular here, you're here because you're trying to get facts with which you can make choices and decisions for all those things in your life. And I doubt very seriously there's one person listening today that thinks it's okay for some kid to get fentanyl that looks like a sweet tart and takes it and dies. I doubt if there are any of you there. I doubt if there's one of you that, Here's about those kids in Houston, Texas, Steve Baker, undercover, our Steve Baker, who'll be here tomorrow, second hour on Tuesday every week. He came and told us about his undercover operations there when he was planted, and kids hiding in the weeds underneath the bridge in downtown Houston had been trafficked out of Mexico, and they got away They got away from the sex traffickers and they're hiding there for their lives. I doubt if any of you think that's okay. Joe Biden obviously does. He doesn't give a rip if he did. Instead of saying, I want to be president of not the Democrats, not the Republicans, I want to be the president for every American. Well, how about people that not because of their own decisions and choices, but their parents selling them to drug and sex traffickers, cartel members, and getting all that money and wiping their hands of their kids. Their kids are hauled off to points. We don't have any idea where they are. And then our government, our HHS... When it comes out that 80 plus thousand of these kids that were supposedly turned over to these non-governmental organizations that you and me are paying all of their expenses to do, take care of these kids, we find out they've lost contact with these 80,000 kids. How many of those kids do you think are in a great place right now? that they got put with a family somewhere that's taking care of them and is planning or thinking about adopting them or becoming their foster parents? How many do you think that's really happening? The number one spot on the planet for sex traffickers to send kids, and they don't just send them, they sell them, is the United States of America. Are you okay with that? Of course you're not but if we don't do something about it, we're complicit. What can we do about it? Make your voice heard. Call your congressman or your congresswoman, your senator. Call them. Tell them this is unacceptable. We want leaders that abide by the Constitution, the rule of law, and never put their thoughts and opinions over the law or the will of the people. If they do... We're going to vote them out of office. I'm not being too hard. I can tell you that. I'm being factual. I'm being truthful. I'm a grandfather, and I'm pissed off about our government not doing what it's supposed to do.
4: Hi, guys. This is the Chevy Silverado with the world's first invisible trailer.
5: Invisible trailer. And it's not the trailer right next to us? This guy.
4: You don't believe me?
3: in good looking pickup i will say that oh,
4: wow. silverado offers an optional technology package with up to 15 different views including one enhanced view that makes your trailer appear invisible wow that's pretty that's sweet. cool
6: there oh. that's awesome where's the trailer
5: though
6: <laughs> i
7: love it it's magic <laughs> look at, look at. i can't believe it I be playing four on four with a barbershop quartet Pass the ball, pass the rod We're open, just pass the
1: ball Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico Yeah
8: Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance For more unbelievable Geico videos give subscribe and click American Ladders and Scaffolds, deal with the experts. Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds, delivery everywhere, every day. American
6: Ladders and Scaffolds.
2: We take you higher. We take you higher.
0: CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. I want you to just step back. Step back with me for a second and look at the political landscape in the nation today as we head into 2020. 24, our presidential election every four years. Of course, every two years, we vote for all of the members of the U.S. House of Representatives, as we will next year. Anyway, I want you to look at the landscape of things. Now, I know, I hear it every day from somebody, some good conservative. They'll say this, you know what? Man, I really like what, Former President Trump did his four years in office. But the way he talks about people and the way he talks to people, it's just, I just, I just, I don't like it. I can't stand it. Makes it hard for me to vote for him. I want to speak to all of you people that feel that way. And you may have heard me say this before, so I'll I'll give you the brief version. When he was first elected, I uh, I sent a letter that was given to me by a close friend of mine, asked me to get it to the president. I didn't, I had no verification that he got it. But I know for a fact, Ivanka, I sent it to Ivanka, had her email address. And I have a uh, uh, an app that I can use. And when I send an email, the person I'm sending it to doesn't know this, but I know when they receive it. If they open it, I know when they open it. If they forward it, I have that information as well. So it was opened. Did Ivanka open it? Whoever handles her email or her did open it. And whether it got to the president, I have no idea. What was in the letter? Very simply, it was a message saying, Mr. President, I support you wholeheartedly. I am so excited of what you've already been able to do. But I know people, especially fundamentals, some fundamental Christians, that are really put back by the way you talk about people and the way you talk to people. And I want you to consider thinking about that and maybe just change your messaging a little bit. Thank you, praying for you every day, yada, yada, yada. And I'm paraphrasing the letter. I can't tell you how many people have told me those exact same things. And I get it. I don't like profanity, and I used the P.O. word (laughs) in our opening, and I I did it from anger, and I shouldn't have, and I apologize for any of you that I offended. But the point is, and I gave this to the person that wrote the letter and asked me to send it. After I got no response per se, we were talking several months later, and I said, I want to point something out to you. President Trump is crude. He's abrasive and he's aggressive, but he's got a big heart and there is evidence, a plethora of evidence of way above and beyond normal humanitarian things that he's done very quietly in his life as a billionaire. And I could give you probably half a dozen specifics, and I won't do it. Helping people, paying off people's homes quietly. I mean, really good stuff. Why does he talk that way then? And it went ding, 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 ding in my head. He grew up, he didn't grow up out on Long Island in the Hamptons. He didn't grow up there. He grew up on the northeast side of Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx, rough. He grew up in the construction business, big, big construction business, which meant he dealt with many blue-collar Northeast Manhattan businessmen, union leaders, union members. You know what I'm talking about. Very heart-of-the-earth people, down-to-earth, just everyday people. And I thought about this. You know what? I bet you across this nation. And it kind of goes with the way he won the election in 2016. Nobody could believe all the people that voted for him across the nation. They were shocked. Hillary Clinton went into a coma. Sadly, she came out of it, and she's back around with her cackle, although she'll never equal the cackle of our current (laughs) vice president. But the point is... Donald Trump, what he says and what he does after four years of being president, resonates with more Americans than it doesn't. Everyday people get him far more than don't. After this latest, <laughs> this latest witch hunt that took place down in Atlanta, Georgia, he posted his biggest lead yet over any of his rivals, Republicans, at 62% of likely Republican primary voters. Now this is a poll by CBS News. They're obviously not going to give him a little leg up in any of the uh, polling results they report. His top rival, Ron DeSantis has fallen farther back from earlier this summer. He's at 16%. The other candidates are in single digits. Third runner-up, Vivek Ramaswamy, at 7%. Likely, Republican voters are also overwhelmingly said at 91% that during the upcoming GOP primary debate this week, They want to hear the other candidates make the case for themselves instead of going after negatively Trump. Now, the poll came before Trump decided firmly to skip the debate in favor of an interview with Tucker Carlson. It's going to be interesting. Tucker on Twitter or Tucker on... And listen, let me just say this. I, I am sick of being politically correct when we talk about Elon Musk Twitter. I have you noticed it in all the stories when it's time to say, tweeted this or saw this in Twitter, the correct thing to say is the social media site formerly known as Twitter, now X, I'm gonna call it Twitter. Forgive me, but I'm going to call it Twitter. I don't want to waste the extra words. This poll was conducted August 16 through 18. 2,000 adults with a plus or minus three-point margin of error overall and a 5.7 plus or minus points for likely Republican primary voters. In other words, it's pretty right on. A whopping 77% Republican primary voters believe the indictments in Georgia are... Politically motivated, you'd think. And think that while Trump tried to stay in office, it was legal and constitutional, and that Joe Biden did not win legitimately. Did you hear that number? 77% say. 77% of Republicans that responded in this poll say, Joe Biden did not win the 2020 election legitimately. But you're not supposed to say that publicly. Oh my gosh. Look at what's happening in January 6th. Did you hear over the weekend? Again, one of the things that came up quietly over the weekend. Listen to this. Department of Justice prosecutors for those January 6th insurrectionists slash rioters. You know, those people that went to peacefully celebrate and got a a little bit out of um, the norm. And I'm going to qualify this whole thing. I'm going to do it the right way. There were bad people there. There were people that were there that they went over the line. Many people went over the line. Some nasty illegal activities. Every one of them needs to pay for the wrongdoing that they did, the illegal actions that they took. Every single one of them. But 90 plus percent were not part of that. They went because they wanted to go see their U.S. capital in operation. I personally know many people that were there. We've had many of them on this show live. And every person that I we have had on this show talking about that since it, it happened, we had people on here two days after it was over. They're afraid because they have a bullseye painted on their back by their own Department of Justice. Prosecutors created a class of felony to put on most of these people that are being prosecuted for the issues there. Did you know that? Have you heard about it? And it even has a name. They're calling it parading, a felony. And people have been convicted of trespassing, which is a misdemeanor. And then they tag on the parading, which they made up and termed it a felony I didn't know that until this weekend. You know why I know it? An appeals court, a federal appeals court, gave a determination that they illegally, they being the Department of Justice, illegally came up with a law. Only Congress can create federal laws. The Department of Justice can destroy your life and make your life a hell on earth if they want to, but they can't legally make up laws, and they made up parading. Appeals court said, nope, and we have people in prison for parading people. Multiple of these people have been tried, and they were found guilty. They were found guilty of trespassing because they went into the U.S. Capitol. That is trespassing, factual. That's a law. Congress made it a law. But it was a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor. You don't go to jail for misdemeanors. Oh, but when the DOJ makes up a felony and you get convicted of a felony, you're going to prison. People's lives have been permanently destroyed for something this government, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, made up illegally in themselves, and these judges let it stand in court. You tell me we live in the most independent country in world history? I'm beginning to wonder myself. We we know that President Trump, he put out there, he was not going to participate in the debates this week. Yesterday, he confirmed he's going to skip them all. He said this, The public knows who I am and what a successful presidency I had. With energy independence, strong borders and military... Biggest ever tax and regulation cuts, no inflation, strongest economy in history, and much more. I will therefore not be doing the debates, he announced on Truth Social yesterday. Now, he hinted previously he might not join on at least the first debate in Milwaukee this week. He told Fox News host Brett Baer in June that though he likes to debate, he didn't see the point giving his polling. And speaking of his rival candidates who are currently polling well below him, Trump asked, why would I allow people at 1% and 2 and 0% to be hitting me with questions all night? He further accused his low-polling rivals of wasting everyone's time at the debates as they aren't popular and therefore shouldn't even be there. Instead of joining his rivals in a debate, Trump, has been considering an alternate method of discussing his positions with the bigger audience. He plans to sit down for an interview with former news host Tucker Carlson. Now, this is confirmed by the New York Times. And, of course, if the New York Times says it, it's Bible, right? That report followed another statement by Mr. Trump on his true social account in which he referenced his high poll numbers over a wonderful field of Republican candidates his words people know my record one of the best ever so why would I debate I'm your man make America great again he stated and he's been consistently polling double digits over his closest rivals I agree with him although I can tell you I love to watch him debate he's really good at what he does and it hacks off people and of course if he's the 900 pound grill on the stage who are they gonna go after It won't be any discussions about they would do. Oh, they'll throw something in there. If they can come up with a unique little idea they've heard nobody else on the debate stage say they can do and will do, trying to find something to make people feel, oh, maybe they're good, maybe they're good. Substantively, not a person on that stage can take Trump on head-to-head for what they have done for the nation that is quantitative, qualitative, and identifiable. Nobody can do that. In shock, over the weekend, you may have heard this. Jake Tapper of CNN. Jake Tapper, on his own network, he came up. And actually made this statement, and I'm gonna let you listen to it yourself. But Jake Tapper said, talking about Trump, Trump
3: got it right. <laughs> Trump was telling the truth. Listen to this. He had knowledge that his family was money laundering. He had to. You think the Treasury? Well, money, but money la- mon- uh, uh,
8: uh, Look, I, I, if there's evidence of money laundering, and, which is and, a, and, which is a crime, which is a, which is a federal crime, then obviously uh, uh, your committee should report it. Uh, to to the FBI and, and the Justice that's why the judge tomorrow. kicked
3: it out. That's yeah. one of the reasons the Delaware judge rejected the the sweetheart plea deal. The judge, there was clearly violations of the Foreign right. Agents Registration Act and money laundering.
8: Right. Republican Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, Kentucky, yeah. you come back uh, when you got when you got more uh, to talk about. And, and uh, Kristen uh, Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post uh, had a fact check about Joe Biden uh, from earlier this month, um, noting that Hunter Biden admitted in court in July. That he was, in fact, paid substantial sums uh, from Chinese companies. Kessler wrote, Hunter Biden reported nearly $2.4 million in income in 2017 and $2.2 million in income in 2018, most of which came from Chinese or Ukrainian interests. But this, and this directly goes against what Joe Biden said in the debate in 2020 uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Take a listen.
3: My son has not made money in terms of this thing about... Uh, what are you talking about? China. What you None of that president, is true. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, is simply and various not other places. True.
8: So it's from two different debates, but I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China and Joe Biden was wrong. I don't know that he was lying about it. He might not have been told by Hunter, but this blind spot is a problem.
2: It's a problem, one, because Republicans aren't going to let it go, that's for sure. But also, these problems are continuing through the legal system. It's not as though this is something that's been settled in other jurisdictions and Republicans are just harping on it. It is an ongoing thing in our courts. It's not going anywhere.
8: This is a blind spot. Does it concern you as a Democrat? Well, I think dads sometimes, and parents sometimes, have blind spots about their kids, for sure. And the president may be no exception. But nothing has tied the president to any of Hunter Biden's dealings. There's no whiff of him being involved or him being implicated in it. And uh, it's, you know, I think it's not something the voters care a lot about. All right, my thanks to the panel.
0: Jake Tapper with other folks there on that CNN panel. And, of course, you heard Comer, head of the Oversight Committee, at the top of the talking about Hunter Biden. But isn't it interesting, Tapper made the statement, Trump got it right. (laughs) That's very unusual that anybody at CNN, that's very unusual that Jake Tapper, especially at CNN, would say that Donald Trump got anything right, no matter what it is. Joe Biden's getting it right. Boy, let me tell you what he's doing right down at our southern border, that mobile app that one that they use that makes it so easy for the drug cartels to advertise with it, hey, we'll help you. Just go on this app and set up an appointment for you to go to the southern border of the United States legally. You can have an appointment to go legally. They won't arrest you because you've got an appointment. Oh, and by the way, for $10,000 10 to $15,000 will help you get through all of the bad people between where you are and the border will protect you. That CBP One mobile app is what Joe Biden put together to make it work. Now, it's been very successful. So far, 200,000 foreign nationals have schedule their appointments through CBP-1, that mobile app. They came into the United States legally. They, When they check in, hey, here's my appointment. Well, yeah, okay. So you check in here, and guess what we're going to do? You just stand in that line for a minute. We're going to get you a date for you to come back down here to the southern border for your immigration hearing, Okay. They stand there, hey, sir, here it is. You don't have to be here for 37 months. And then they let those people just leave and go anywhere in the United States that they want to go. And they're legal because Joe Biden made it that way outside of the law, outside of the Constitution, and you got another 200,000 people out there that are sponging up assets and infrastructure that taxpayers are paying for. This app entices foreign nationals in Mexico who are pregnant, mentally ill, elderly, disabled, homeless, or crime victims to schedule those appointments with DHS officials at the border in the hopes of being released into our interior. From mid-January through July, the mobile app has helped import more than 180,000 foreign nationals who were in Mexico, inviting them to the interior of the U.S. In June, 40,000 foreign nationals were brought to the U.S. through the app. While last month, 45,000 showed up. Now, how does this compare, these numbers? Let me give you a few. This is a foreign population that exceeds the populations of Shreveport, Louisiana, where I sit right now, Mobile, Alabama, Santa Rosa, California, Springfield, Missouri, Patterson, New Jersey, and Savannah, Georgia, among others. Late last month, Representative Matt Gates of Florida grilled DHS Secretary Mayorkas over this app, calling it a Disney Fast Pass for foreign nationals who otherwise wouldn't have any way to get here into the interior. Foreign nationals coming to the U.S. from the border make up only a fraction of those who have already been released into the nation's interior since Biden took office. Estimates from Representative Tom McClintock, who's a Republican from California, as of July, there have been more than 5.5 million illegals coming across the border since Biden took office in late January 2021, 5.5 million. A foreign population that far exceeds the city of Los Angeles, and that is just the tip of the spear. We don't know how many gotaways there are to number on top of that five and a half million. More than 2.1 million have been released directly into American communities by DHS. That's a foreign population equivalent to the city of Houston, Texas. More than another million and a half are known to have successfully entered our interior without being stopped by border patrol. That alone is a foreign population the size of Philadelphia. The big Philly, not Philadelphia, Mississippi, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Have you given any thought to what all of this stuff, what it means to you, what it could mean to the nation? We already know and have known for years this didn't just happen. We've known there are tens of thousands of criminals, hardened criminals. Many of them have been to the United States before. They've committed crimes, serious crimes in some cases, even murder. And they've gotten shipped back to their nation of origin and they come back again. That's one group. Others in their home countries The reason they're coming here, their countries are kicking them out of their countries, and they're coming here to start their lives over again. I've given you this stat multiple times in a two-year stretch in Texas alone. 600,000 felony acts were committed against Texans by illegal aliens. 600,000. And those crimes include everything from the top-down first-degree murder, manslaughter, breaking and entering, all kinds of felony acts against Texans. And yet, Joe Biden says, we don't care. We live in Washington, D.C., and do you know one of my five mansions is on the beach and taxpayers paid to put a big wall around it to keep me safe. Y'all deal with this riffraff of people. I'm going to spend time at my beach house.
9: Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except
1: during uh, the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa, a venti. Iced White Mocha Triple Shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks and, uh, Philippines uh, Planner. Grande Toffee Nut Latte. It's made by Moleskin. Uh, wow, right? Venti Green Tea Cream Frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no it's for my wife. I, I understand.
10: The 2016 Starbucks Philippines Planner by Moleskin. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616. Series of 2015.
5: Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with SunMade snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are SunMade's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and SunMade's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sun-made snacks.
8: Off to gang and showtime. Uh,
6: do you know this guy?
8: I'm not gonna cry, am I?
0: Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship.
3: Really? You guys are good.
1: <laughs> movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix.
3: That's so cute, it's stupid.
10: At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion. For emergency dispatch in seconds we create hd cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere all powered by fast protect technology exclusively from simply safe for faster police response because in here your safety is the only thing that matters advanced home security 24 7 professional monitoring there's no safe like simply safe
0: Ah, uh, a little mellow, slow ditty there. <laughs> Calm Dan down today. Huh? Wow. Well, have you heard much about the new mayor up in Chicago? He um, He's further left than the previous mayor, Lori Lightfoot. And I thought she was way left. He's way left of her. His name is Brandon Johnson. Let me give you an example of what his priorities are. there. He said that while his city, Chicago, is dealing with the humanitarian crisis over the migrants that have been sent to Chicago, we're committed to making sure that the city of Chicago is a sanctuary city, that we're going to continue to embrace that. Now this is shocking to most people I know who live in Chicago. They can't believe this is continuing to go on. You add all of the illegal migrants that are there to all of the lawlessness that goes on every weekend. Dozens of people are shot every weekend in Chicago. Many of them die. That's just kind of like passe. oh, it's just another weekend in Chi-Town. NBC Chicago political reporter, Marianne Ahern, asked, Migrants even more have arrived in the last week. We have aldermen who are concerned. They're talking about crimes that are being committed. If you've walked, as I did yesterday, down State Street, it's not safe. What's going on and what are you going to do to get help? Move, perhaps have the suburbs, as you mentioned, help you out? And the mayor, Mayor Johnson, answered, Well, look, everyone is participating and working towards addressing this humanitarian crisis. The state of Illinois, and I appreciate the support of Governor Pritzker, the board president, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, as well as the full force of government in the city of Chicago. Boy, that's working all good together, isn't it? They've just stopped all of this stuff. Yeah, right. He continued, since I've been in office, 90 more buses have arrived carrying illegals. Thousands of families continue to show up over the course of these last three months. And so what I've said repeatedly, and I'll say it again, that we're committed to making sure that what was passed 40 years ago by Mayor Harold Washington, to make sure that the city of Chicago's a sanctuary city, that we're going to continue to embrace that. And so we're going to continue to make sure, like we've been doing, to expand shelters. And we've had, we've put 10 more shelters online since I've been in office. And of course, we're going to continue to work to move people out of police stations. If you lived in Chicago, wouldn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? Oh, how confirming was that would would that seem to you? If you lived in a city, a big city like Chicago, third biggest in the nation, if you lived there and you heard your mayor standing up saying, "All these thousands of illegals that are coming here, we don't know anything about any of them. Nothing. Our government's not telling us anything about them. So what we're going to do is we're just going to open up the city and let them come here." Yeah, we have a bunch of other stuff bad going on, but, you know, for many, many, many years, we've been a sanctuary city open for anybody. Now, the reason he's saying it this way, he's a brand new mayor. After he's been there a year or so, and this continues, he will say nothing like that. He'll try to tow the public line for a little bit, but when truth comes in and rubber meets the road and where it meets the road, he's got to call some shots, especially if it affects somebody close to him personally. His tune's going to change, I predict it. Meanwhile, out west, San Francisco retailer, one of the biggest and oldest in San Francisco, is challenging Mayor Breed to swap jobs for 180 days. You'd see a lot of change. Now, you've heard about this big store out there, Gump's. Gump's. For over 165 years, Gump's has been a popular stop for shoppers who visit the city by the bay. I've been there numerous times. But in a full-page ad in the San Francisco Chronicle, Gump CEO, John cha called out top Democrats, California Gavin Newsom, the governor, San Francisco Mayor London Breed, and the city's board of supervisors, suggesting the upcoming holiday season may be Gump's last one in San Francisco. San Francisco now suffers from a tyranny of the minority, behavior and actions of the few that jeopardized the livelihood of the many. That's chachas. He wrote that in an open letter that ran in the paper last week. The ramifications of COVID policies advising people to abandon their offices are only beginning to be understood. Equally devastating have been a litany of destructive San Fran strategies, including allowing the homeless to occupy our sidewalks, to openly distribute and use illegal drugs, to harass the public, and to defile our city's streets. Such abject disregard for civilized conduct makes San Francisco unlivable for its residents, unsafe for our employees, and unwelcome to visitors from around the world. And he's speaking to elected officials in this. So Fox News reached out to Chachas, and he said there wasn't... A specific boiling point that led him to pen the open letter but had accumulated over many, many months was the lack of public sentiment that was not drawing attention to how these elected officials seem incapable of coming to grips with some fairly basic realities. I have a wonderful company with wonderful people who are deeply committed to it. And we live in a city that's not functioning. It's getting worse and worse and worse, Chacha said. And Governor Newsom, Mayor Breed, and the city supervisors, they seem either incapable of understanding it or unwilling to actually make policy changes that are needed to make it a workable environment. It's sort of lunacy to live in an environment where you go to work every day or people go to work and customers can't come to your store. I mean, that's not a normal operating environment, he said. He attested to some firsthand accounts of Gump's most loyal customers, some who've shopped there for over 50 years, who were refusing to walk in due to the current conditions in San Francisco. When we don't see them, we actually call them to find out Gee, hey, Mrs. Jones, you haven't seen us in two years. Can we do anything? And we have the commentary that's just consistent, which is We love your store. We love the products that you offer. I'll buy something online, but I'm not stepping foot in that city. That's what we hear. He largely blamed the origins of San Francisco's self-destruction on COVID-era policies that deterred people from going to work in the city, even in 2023, stressing it cannot survive on three-day work weeks. You have 25 million square feet of empty office space in San Francisco. I keep waiting for the governor to come out with a plan to induce people back to their offices, which is what every governor in the country should be doing. It's what the federal government should be doing, what every state government should be doing. And instead, everybody just keeps talking about it in veiled terms like it's somehow not an issue. It is a gigantic issue for businesses. Gigantic. So when I was reading this over the weekend, this story about Gump's, and it is, it's a really nice store. It's a really great store. They've got high-quality merchandise. And even in San Francisco, I've always thought the prices are fair, although everything in California, as you know, is a little more expensive than most other places. But you get things, many things in California, you can't get them in other places. And I started thinking about it. I can't imagine a scenario when elected political leaders would look at all this stuff that's happening in these big cities. Think about it. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, Manhattan, other parts of New York City, Chicago, even Atlanta, And there's one common trait in every bit of it, every one of them. What is that? Thumbing noses by leaders at the rule of law. History is full of examples of this exact thing happening in some of the greatest cities ever around the world, and even the greatest, most progressive countries throughout world history. And in the United States, the fundamental that our forefathers put in place was a list of rules that were called the United States Constitution. They were the backbone of the existence of this nation. And those leaders, they knew, without a structure of laws, do's and don'ts, if we didn't have that, you can't have a functioning nation because it will implode. Criminals are going to be criminals. They're going to commit crimes unless and until they're held accountable. I will never forget when I was eight, nine years old, lived in Lafayette, Louisiana. I was finally old enough to to mow my neighbor's yards. And they would pay me, one yard was two fifty, dollars Another one was $3. $3 was the max I got. And it was unique for me to do their yards because we were the only family in our subdivision that actually had an edger. You know, the edge where you can edge the lawn along the sidewalks. And they loved the fact that I'd mow their yard, I would edge their sidewalks and driveway, and then would, Sweep off everything. They loved that. I will never forget, it was a huge thing for me, Saturdays. I was able, when I got through doing yards, to get on my bike and ride up to a little grocery store, corner grocery store, Babino's Grocery. And they were the first place that I knew of in town that got ICES, And I always would get a candy bar sometime. And I remember, I don't know why I did it, I was scared to death to do it, but I didn't have enough money to buy a candy bar that week, and I stole a Zero candy bar. Got on my bike riding. I uh, finished my IC on the way home, and when I got home, I had that Zero candy bar in my back pocket. And when I walked in the house, my mother said, you got a candy bar too? How much was a candy bar? And I told her and she said, you didn't have enough money for that. Did you steal that? And I felt like I had committed first degree murder. I looked at the floor and I said, mom, I did. And so she said, come on. We got in the car and she took me up there. Mr. Babineau was standing behind the, the counter. And mom said, go up there and tell him what you did. And I walked up there, and we'd been friends, I mean, the whole time we lived there. I mean, that that was a staple. It was one of those things, we had a grocery store, but it was four or five miles away. And the corner stores in the south, south Louisiana, they pretty much kept the, all the stuff that you'd need on a short notice, you know, going home or Uh, You forgot something that day and you needed to go to the store to get it. So he knew us well and he knew we were a Christian family and he knew my dad was a pastor. And I went up and told him, Mr. Babineau, I'm here to apologize. I stole this candy bar. And he almost teared up when he looked at me. And he said, son, if you didn't have money for that candy bar, all you had to do was tell me you didn't you're in here every week and you buy stuff from me every week, I would have given you that candy bar. You don't think I learned a lesson from that? That whole process that I just described, it is non-existence in cities, entire big cities, law enforcement, for whatever reason or reasons, they've just stepped back away from the accountability part of dealing with criminality. And if if there's no accountability for breaking laws, what's gonna happen? We all know if you don't prosecute lawbreakers, they're gonna do what lawbreakers do. They're gonna break laws. And it typically gets worse and worse more people get caught in the middle of it look at what's happening across our southern border forget about that worn out mantra that they're telling us these people just want to come to the united states to make a better life for themselves and their families yeah right there are a bunch of those people that feel that way And they've been doing it legally for generations. The United States of America legally lets people, more people into our nation every year. One million a year is what we average. Our legal immigration process, one million a year. How does that compare with the world? If you took every other country on the planet, 190 plus and you add all of the legal immigration they allow into their countries, every one of those 190 plus nations, and you add it all together, in one year, we allow legal immigration into our company. That is more than all the immigration that is done by every other nation on the earth put together every year. So I think we're doing the right stuff as far as legal. But we have a passel of treasonous lawmakers and people in this administration that somehow determine they have a unilateral right to not enforce laws in fact take it one step further break those laws the ones they don't personally break they're suborning others breaking the law and that is in self breaking a law suborning criminality and illegal immigration and this is happening none of them are being held accountable there's no good end for this look at what happened In Europe. You remember a few years ago, they had that mass immigration coming across the Mediterranean from those northern African nations that were war torn. Some of the Middle Eastern nations were flooding into southern Europe, Italy, France, um, Greece, all those countries going on through to Germany, northern Europe. Criminality was going crazy in Germany, in big cities in Germany. I'll never forget this. At night, not a woman, not a single woman would would dare go outside her home because they were being raped and ravaged by these illegals. Does that mean all of these illegals coming into our nation would do that? No, I wouldn't think all of them would. But how how many rapes, how many murders is an okay number with you. Especially if it's your daughter, your son getting slashed, your car being stolen, your house being burned down. How many times that happens is okay with you? That's all across our nation today. And it's not getting any better and won't until whoever is at the top of the heap makes a commitment, not just a commitment to enforce the law, but begins to enforce it and make those that work below this person do the same thing, just simply enforce the laws. Unless and until that happens, our country is going to continue to disintegrate from the very inside. We've got to have laws
1: Our next Starbucks customer is Ron.
0: Hello. Strictly
1: espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into Uh, Santa. A venti... Iced White Mocha Triple Shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks uh, Philippines uh, Planner. Grande Toffee Nut Latte. It's made by Moleskine? uh, Wow, right? Venti Green Tea Cream Frappuccino. Hey, Uh, you got all the stickers. No, no,
10: it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines Planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD Permit number 10616, Series of 2015.
5: Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with SunMade snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are SunMade's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and SunMade's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sun-made snacks.
8: Off to, gang, and showtime. Uh,
6: do you know this guy? I'm not gonna
8: cry, am I?
0: Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good.
1: <gasps> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix.
3: That's so cute, it's stupid.
10: At Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion, for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere, all powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
0: Yeah, I know. Played those commercials already. I'm. I apologize. I um. I clicked the wrong button. Every once in a while, there's a boo-boo or two that, that happens around here. Well, polling in elections, it's notoriously imprecise science. You know that. Take the presidential elections of 2016. Remember those? Virtually nobody gave former President Donald Trump a chance at victory. But given the bias of the expert class against Trump, it's conceivable that the polling flaws were actually a result of malice rather than incompetence. Now, however, new polls on anti-wokeness are equally questionable. The media ran with Trump's dismal poll numbers to make his campaign appear hopeless and demoralize all his supporters. They hoped to sway the election by giving Trump voters a reason to just stay home rather than take the time to go cast a meaningless vote. Now they're using some dubious polls to make fighting the culture war appear to be a losing political strategy too. Despite the observable grassroots energy around fighting back on the cultural front, the media hopes to convince Republican candidates they shouldn't even speak up against the woke issues. Multiple polls came out this year, purportedly showing the limits of campaigning on an anti-woke platform. But only in the past couple of weeks has the media begun to connect those pieces And I wanted to let you know about this because this is not only going on now, it has been going on. Axios warned that attacking woke businesses is a losing political strategy with only one in five Republican voters prioritizing the anti-woke position. That's what they're saying. Facts don't bear it out, but they don't deal with facts. They deal with with whatever narrative they need to use against conservatives. Are GOP voters tiring of the war on wokeness? That's a question asked by the New York Times, concluding that the talking points are losing their punch. Politico, another leftist rag, they caution that Republicans are chasing the wrong bogeyman. After aggregating the polls in question, Fast Company, a polling company, concluded that even Republican voters may be growing wary of that endless 24-7 crusade. Among the polls that are cited all the time, a New York Times-Siena poll that presented GOP voters with a hypothetical matchup between two candidates— a candidate who focuses on defeating radical woke ideology in our schools, media, and culture, and a candidate who focuses on restoring law and order in our streets and at the border. Nearly two-thirds picked the law and order candidate, while only 24% supported the culture warrior. What do you think about that? Another poll from the Wall Street Journal cited by Fast Company, asked respondents to choose which issue was most important to them, securing our southern border or fighting woke ideology. A plurality, 44%, chose a stronger border while only 24% prioritized rooting out wokeness. Notably, 25% chose both equally. Now, these surveys polled are all Republican voters, did not differentiate between subgroups like parents who might be more vehemently anti-woke. At first glance, however, the findings of these polls appear potentially damning for Republican candidates like Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy who have made fighting wokeness a centerpiece of their political identity. But upon closer inspection, they reveal fake, false dichotomies between voter options. In fact, they don't tell us much at all. In reality, fighting wokeness, maintaining law and order are the same issue. Now stay with me. Wokeness is the intellectual foundation that makes our streets unsafe. I bet you never even really put the two together. Wokeness is the intellectual foundation that makes our streets unsafe. In the woke worldview, criminals are not bad people, but desperate souls forced to do what they must under a predatory and unjust system and make it okay. Or they make us think it's okay. The criminal activity of looters And rioters is morally and thus legally excusable now because it's in the name of overthrowing that illegitimate system. When property and livelihoods are destroyed, the ideologue's response is just to ignore it. It's like it's not there. So this opinion, the one I just shared with you, this is an explanation of what's really going on. It's so powerful among the governing elite in the nation elected officials, expert bureaucrats, prosecutors. What would be the foundation to try to legitimately make up that new law for January 6th perpetrators called parading and just label it a felony? First of all, nobody but Congress has a right to make federal laws, and Congress didn't make it. Some bureaucrat maybe even Christopher Ray of the FBI I'm just throwing those out there but somebody made it up and determined that they would call it a felony put it in the courts they prosecuted people for parading and sent them to jail that's what they think they translated their theories into laws into policies and regulations that liberate american law from its own history of injustice restoring law and order can only be achieved by rooting out the woke ideologues who undermine the rule of law from inside it similarly the open borders facilitated by democrats are a function of wokeness they come from an ideology that says a nation itself is just imaginary it's not real I'm sorry, it is real. I'm 70 years old. I've watched it change, I've watched it grow, I've watched it get better, and then I've watched it down the slope, the slippery slope that we're riding it into right now. To the woke people, America is an arbitrary set of borders. It's designed only to protect its economic and cultural self-interest, Which requires dominating and excluding others, those evil capitalists, Donald Trump, those people, mega maga. To make up for this quote unquote injustice, it requires admitting all who wish to come. You got to feel guilty because you're enforcing laws. The common slogan's global citizen, no human is illegal. They're grounded in this worldview, but are now adopted by those with the power to make and enforce immigration policy, and they're not enforcing immigration policy. They're going woke, and you and I are paying the price, and many Americans, at least 100000 a year, are paying the price from fentanyl poisoning, but that's okay. That's part of the process of getting more humane. Restoring any border security, it requires uprooting ideological officials in favor of those who believe in the principles of American sovereignty. American voters, they get this subtly on its own wokeness. It's perceived about as equally toxic as socialism among Republican voters. When asked to choose between a dangerous policy failure, and some abstract threat. It's unsurprising that most voters go with the option creating tangible harm. Surely combating wokeness would not matter nearly as much if you could secure the border or restore law and order with just a snap of the fingers. It doesn't work that way, you know that. You can destroy something, a process like this, quickly, but to build it back? It took years to get it there in the first place. How the heck do you think you can snap your fingers and make it happen instantly? But this highlights another important distinction. Wokeness is dangerous because of the real harm it creates. There's a valid point that prioritizing wokeness without the offer of good governance could undermine a Republican candidacy. Oh, my gosh. That means it's horrible. However, it does not, as media says, mean that fighting wokeness is a losing battle, merely that politicians got to offer more than just fiery rhetoric. But for Democrats and their lapdog media sycophants... It's a double whammy against both the Republican Party and their voters. By speciously framing wokeness as an automatic losing issue, they're attempting to deter Republican candidates from engaging in this culture war. They hope to convince GOP contenders that towing the establishment's laissez-faire line on social issues is one they're going to win with while knowing full well it would enervate the Republican base. A toast Republican nominee would stand no chance of getting the turnout necessary to overcome a Democrat base that genuinely believes they're fighting Nazis at the ballot box. By neutering institutional support, the media would remove the basis of legitimacy that helps maintain grassroots resistance, further demoralizing the conservative voter. Let me bring this to a head conclusion. Truth doesn't matter. We live in a nation where truth no longer matters to a huge percentage of our people. What do you mean, Dan? Well, now truth has been made no longer an absolute it's not it's what you think it is and you have your truth and i have mine and if the laws that are on the books don't align with my truth then that means those laws are illegitimate we've got to get rid of them and if we can't get rid of them we've got to have people in office that just ignore them and certainly Don't enforce those laws. But then as we begin to suffer the consequences of all that lawlessness, their ideology breaks into little pieces. (laughs) That's where we find ourselves. And little by little between now and the 2024 election process, I'm going to hammer this home to you and make it so understandable that you not only will know yourself and will be confident about it. You may already be. I don't want to denigrate anybody and think that you're not there because I believe most of you, if not all of you, are. But we need to be able to explain it to others that are caught up in it and explain it in a way that doesn't denigrate them for feeling that way. There are people who are honest, they're fair, they're good-minded, that have just got caught up in this mindset, and they have no idea of what it is. But we've got to carefully bring them along to understand it, because it is very, very important. Over the weekend, news came out, they hide a lot of things, and every weekend they just if they're going to leak it out or let it out in the, the news world at all. We'll hear about it during the weekend, and then it's gone, especially if it's bad for the left. Do you know that the Department of Justice had planned to give Hunter Biden a total pass, no liability whatsoever, For income tax evasion and a federal gun felony act that he committed, he was not going to serve any time unless and until the whistleblowers came before Congress and testified to what had actually been going on.
4: Miranda Devines, a New York Post columnist and the author of Laptop from Hell. Miranda, you have been covering the story. I mean, it feels like three years now. You've seen the ups and downs, the, the snaking around justice. This last, and it is a snake move, put this into perspective for us.
9: Look, this is like putting the fox in charge of the hen house, obviously. David Weiss is the attorney who uh, approved that sweetheart deal for Hunter Hunter Biden and uh, who oversaw an investigation that, as the IRS whistleblowers showed us, was just a travesty of slow walking and obstruction and basically protecting Joe Biden. And so, look, I think that none of this would be happening if it weren't for those brave IRS whistleblowers and... Uh, They're suffering at the moment a lot of retaliation But uh, they are heroes, and history will show them to have uh, finally brought accountability or or set the road to accountability for the Biden family. Um, That's Joseph Ziegler and Gary Shapley, because, of course, they were the ones who blew the whistle on um, this incredibly corrupt investigation that went on for five long years under David Weiss. The statute of limitations he allowed to run out on the most serious charge which would have led straight to Joe Biden and that Ukraine Burisma scam. Uh, So, look, it just shows to me that they are really scared. I think the White House is nervous, uh, the Bidens are nervous, and things are falling apart and coming out of their control. So this is sort of their way... Uh, after James Comer said that he was going to be subpoenaing every member of the Biden family who's received money from these deals, up to a dozen. I think this is just a way of trying to close ranks and protect them.
4: Yeah, the day after. Comer says he's going to subpoena Jimmy Biden and his bank records. They appoint the special counsel. Miranda, this is so big because this is not just one U.S. attorney in Delaware. They've now involved the entire Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, the White House. Almost, you know, the entire government has circled the wagons around the Biden family. What does that tell you?
9: Look, it's like any cover-up. It just ends up uh, engulfing everybody involved. You know, the old saying, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. You know, one step leads to another, and before you know it, Um, It's just this monstrous mess. And they just think that because they're in power and they have so much power and they uh, also have the media, you know, the left wing media is all carrying water for them uh, and they think they can distract everybody by laying another indictment on Donald Trump. But it's not going away. There's just too much evidence. It's too crooked. Uh, We're now looking back at the Ukraine stories and more and more information is coming out to show that when Donald Trump asked uh, Zelensky to look into the corruption that went on around the firing of that prosecutor, that he was onto something, and yet the Democrats somehow managed to turn it around on Donald Trump. Um, And I guess we need to be once bitten, twice shy and not fall for that old uh, trick again.
4: Well, I will see, because if Joe is reelected, this thing goes away. And if he loses, he pardons Hunter out the door. So they might have pulled it off. But the only way to get the uh, facts out, impeachment. Miranda, great reporting. Thank you.
0: Do you think, honestly, do you think there will be impeachment of Joe Biden? You know, some days I'm pretty positive it will happen. Some days I think, you know what? It needs to happen because the Department of Justice on its own, they're in the tank. Everybody, Merrick Garland, Christopher Wray, think about those two people. That's the attorney general and the director of the FBI. They've proven they are in the tank. Truth doesn't matter. Law doesn't matter. They're manipulating every bit of their power to cover for President Biden and his entire family and All of this stuff. Actually, sometimes I get a little scared that everybody's going to walk. Nobody's going to be held accountable at all. And I look at what limited power the Republican Party has. They've done a lot with having that very slim majority in the House of Representatives, not having any ability to push anything over to the Senate with hope that the Senate's going to do something, because Democrats control the Senate. Wouldn't it be nice if we lived in an era when just doing the legal thing was what everybody demanded that we do? But we're not there. And unless and until we get there, it's just going to be this same cycle over and over and over as we watch our nation implode we're not being destroyed by other nations our political foes we're not being we're not being destroyed by that we're being destroyed internally by our allowed lawlessness and when our leaders get by you know we're close to being implosion i'm serious now i guess you heard last week one of hunter biden's lawyers said Asked to withdraw from his case over the weekend. Three more of his attorneys have asked for the same thing. Attorneys Brian McManus, Timothy McCartan, and Matthew Salerno filed a motion to withdraw as cancel, and they did that the day after Delaware District Judge Mary Ellen Norieca granted the DOJ's request to dismiss the tax charges in Delaware. This allowed for the possibility of charging Biden in Washington, D.C., or even in the Central District of California. Now, let me just tell you this. Those two things were, in my opinion, little bits of hope that they left out there. Those two things. One was the possibility of charging Biden in Washington or in the Central District of California. If you believe... Hunter Biden's going to be charged for any of this. You're one of the few that believes it. I don't think he's going to get charged for anything. The statute of limitations, they purposely let it run out so he can't be held accountable for tax fraud. Do you know how much fraud we're talking about? Millions. Tax fraud. Can you imagine what would happen to you or me over a, a small little thing like, you know, a couple of millions of dollars of income tax fraud? Mr. Biden has been advised of and consents to our withdrawal. That's what these attorneys' withdrawal appeal to the judge said. He also agrees this withdrawal will cause no material adverse effect or prejudice to him, and remains completely satisfied with Lowell's and Jones' continued representation of him. Now, those represented, Abby Lowell of Winston and Strawn and Richard jones Jr. of Berger-Harris, Biden's top defense counsel, Christopher Clark, also withdrew from the case Tuesday last week owing to his role in the failed guilty plea negotiation between DOJ prosecutors and Biden's legal team. It's all just simply, it's all just playing the game. It's just playing the game. That's what it's about. Now, some Really strange claims coming coming out of DC over the weekend. They all go on the Sunday shows, those on the left. Sunday on CNN State of the Union, Representative Dan Goldman, who's made himself kind of like the uh, the Hunter Biden go-to guy to defend him in the public. He said on CNN's State of the Union that Hunter's plea agreement, Broke down. Listen to the reason he said it broke down. Because of the threat of Donald Trump's weaponization of the Department of Justice if he were to become president. How in the heck does this guy come up with this explanation? The reason it broke down is because of the threat of Donald Trump's weaponization of the DOJ if he were to become president. I've not heard a word come out of Trump's mouth about anything to do with any of this. So Jake Tapper said, he's again talking to Daniel Goldman. so House Republicans say, and we kind of heard former Congressman Will Hurd say something similar just now, hey, U.S. Attorney Weiss may be a Trump appointee, but also has signed off on this slap of the wrist sweetheart deal, their words not mine, And Goldman quickly replied, no one knows what the evidence is. Now, how could somebody, he's an attorney, how could he say that? No one knows what the evidence is. There are a lot of people that know what the evidence is, including Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Jim Biden, and pretty much everybody else in the Biden family syndicate. Goldman said again, no one knows what the evidence is. So when they say this is a sweetheart deal, they are blowing smoke because they have no idea. Yes, we know what was in the deal. It was presented in writing, and we read it, and I read it to you. And so this is, to my mind, Goldman talking, having been a federal prosecutor for 10 years, not at all a sweetheart deal. This is something routinely treated in a civil way, through civil penalties, not criminally. So he's saying, if you defraud the IRS for several million dollars, it's going to be handled civilly, not criminally. Yeah, right. Yet Hunter Biden was charged with crimes. This is a five-year investigation. Why the heck would it take five years to come up with the fact that he defrauded the government and committed tax fraud? Goldman said they looked at everything but it took him a long time. He didn't say that, I did. We know that from testimony in the oversight committee, they had foreign bank records, they had domestic bank records, hundreds of thousands of documents, and this is ultimately what they thought they could charge. Now in the ordinary course of things, he said, you would not give immunity for other conduct than what is charged But this is not the ordinary course because you have a petty, vindictive bully running for president on the Republican Party who will use revenge and weaponize the DOJ potentially to charge Hunter Biden. This is Goldman still talking. So even though I'm sure Hunter has confidence that David Weiss will not charge him with additional crimes, they have no confidence that if Donald Trump wins that he would weaponize the DOJ to charge Hunter Biden, go back and charge him. That's why this plea agreement is broken down, because of the threat of Donald Trump's weaponization of the Department of Justice if he were to become president. What have I always told you about when you see these lefties and they're up there screaming and hollering and waving their hands about something? Oh, like Goldman. He said this over and over. They did it, it fell apart because they didn't trust that Donald Trump wouldn't use the Department of Justice, weaponize the Department of Justice if he were to become president. When do these people think that the American people are gonna swallow that drivel and just accept the fact that if Donald Trump would get elected president. He would go after Joe Biden. Oh, we do know a sitting president has gone after a political foe like never before in American history. Do you know how vile it is for Joe Biden to turn his lapdogs at the Department of Justice without even trying to cover it up or hide it from the American people? In fact, They're making it such a big, obvious deal as to scare every American into being totally afraid of every part of our Department of Justice. We can no longer believe in the rule of law because they're going to change it. Oh, they can do that. They do it every day. Joe Biden personally does it every day. He suborns illegal actions, violation of multiple federal laws down at the southern border. He doesn't have authority to do that. Nobody has authority to do that. Congress has sole authority over the laws of the United States of America. Enforcing the Constitution, that's the sole job of of the guy who sleeps at night in the White House, a president. He is the head of the executive branch. That means he controls the Department of Justice. He's the one that is letting all of this lawlessness, violation of federal law after federal law, and he's not doing it with any hesitation. In fact, he brags about it. And he wants you and I to be scared, so scared that we would not dare say anything or do anything that could even be considered a violation of what the President of the United States says is okay to do. Wow. Sorry if I got too edgy for you today. (laughs) I had a lot of time this weekend to think We love you here, and we so appreciate your participation in everything to do with Truth News Network and TNN Live. And we're going to do it again tomorrow, every day this week, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time Live, and then after that, all week long on our podcast sites. See you tomorrow.